Hi, this is Sean. Just wanted to make a quick note before the episode today. Uh, this is a little different from our typical format, but uh, as you'll hear, this is an emergency situation and we wanted to get this content out to you as quickly as possible. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm Dean Brenner and I think 5G is going to change the world because next year I'm going to see Sean Kinney in Barcelona and we're going to have a toast to all the great things that 5G has done despite this global pandemic. I'm Alice Turnquist, and I think that 5G is going to change the world because if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's the need for connectivity. And 5G is going to allow people to be better connected and more connected in the future. I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Dean, Alice, I appreciate you all uh, getting on the line with me so quickly. We've got a, a very topical show today, but before we get into it, I've got a recurring segment where I ask our guests three questions from the Proust questionnaire in an effort to get to know them a little bit better. So, Alice, are you ready for the questions? Sure. All right. Number one, where would you most like to live? So where I would most like to live is actually where I do live, which is right outside Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. And um, I, as a kid, I wanted to, to live here. I grew up in Ohio, and I always thought Washington, D.C. was a very exciting place. And I've been living here now for 28 years, and it's exactly where I would like to be. Question number two, what is the quality you most like in a person? I think the quality I most like to see in people is a sense of humility. Um, there's just, there's so much to learn, so much to know. There's experts all over the place, but we always have more that we can learn. And I always appreciate a sense of humility when I meet people. And question number three, Alice, who is your favorite hero in fiction? So again, that goes back to childhood and uh, my parents, always uh, made sure that I was very familiar with Alice in Wonderland. Um, I have her, of course, the books. I have a poster that hangs over my desk at my home office. And so uh, that's the hero in fiction that has most traveled with me through my life. All right. Well, as you both alluded to off the top of the show, we're very much in the throes of a global pandemic. Uh, a lot of the U.S. is going towards uh, shelter in place. And it's really putting a focus on the important role that broadband plays in our society, particularly as more and more people work from home, both because they're made to by their employer, because they are able to and are trying to exercise social distancing. And then the other one that I really want to talk a little bit more about is what's happening with education as schools are closed and that shifts to a different web-based model. So specifically to school children trying to do their coursework from home. I know Qualcomm is advocating for emergency federal funding to provide connectivity and devices. Can you all just give a, me an overview what your priorities are and what some of the operative legislative items are that relate to that? Yes, thanks so much for asking us about this, Sean. And we regard this as such a pressing emergency crisis. Alice and I have been working on this matter in general for more than 10 years, and it was always a good idea to ensure that all school children 
have connectivity and have a device so they can do their homework from home, even in houses that don't have home broadband. Uh, that was always a good idea. Now it's a necessity. Now it's an absolute crisis and kids all over the country, we have tens of millions of kids whose schools are closed and it's really incumbent on the federal government to address this crisis by providing funding to schools as soon as possible so schools can ensure that all the kids in each school have connectivity and have, a de and have devices. It, it's really not a tenable situation in a school to have some kids who can work from home and learn remotely, but other kids who can't. That's not the way schools work. That's not the way education works. It's needed for all kids. So let me back up and talk about Qualcomm's initiative about this and things that have already been done, but things that need to be done. So the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, has a program called E-Rate. That program was authorized by legislation by, passed by Congress in the Telecommunications Act of 1996, back in the Clinton administration. And at that time, most schools, many schools around the country weren't wired for the internet. So even at school in those days, a lot of schools, especially schools with low income students, could not get access to the internet at school. It's been a fabulously successful program. Every state around the country has an E-rate coordinator. Most schools around the country have a, a, a person who works, an administrator who works on grants. Almost every school around, district around the country that has low income students is familiar with E-rate and gets money through the E-rate program. However, there are limitations to E-rate. Two limitations are that it only funds internet access connectivity on school grounds. It is a school-based program. In the 1990s, no one could imagine the type of broadband, mobile broadband connectivity that all of us who have it enjoy today working from home. So it's only a school-based program, number one. And number two, it's only for equipment. It's not for user devices. So it doesn't it doesn't uh, provide laptops or tablets or any end user connected device. So now fast forward to COVID-19, this global pandemic, this tremendous crisis that we're having. Schools all over the country are closed. So it makes no difference. It makes no sense to be funding connectivity limited to school grounds because all the schools are closed, number one. Number two, we know that there are uh, at least 12 million people is what the data sh shows from the federal government. There are at least 12 million kids who don't have home broadband. And we know there have to be millions more than that who don't have a, a uh, tablet or a laptop computer or really something that a device that they can do schoolwork on now that schools are closed. So, we have a federal program in good faith that funds connectivity, but only on school grounds. Well, that's not doing anyone any good. So what should we do? Well, what we've been advocating for at Qualcomm is there needs to be emergency funding 
that goes to schools so that schools and teachers and students and teachers, and it should include teachers, by the way, they need the connectivity also. Uh, we we want to make sure that kids and teachers get funding right away through the schools so that they have devices and that they have the connectivity. And we're a little indifferent as to the exact vehicle to do that, so let me explain. So one way to do that could be if Congress changed the E-rate law and said on, emergence, on an emergency basis, this should be done through E-rate and here's an amount of money that Congress is appropriating for that purpose. That's one way to do it. E-rate's an existing program. Like all existing federal programs, there is some bureaucratic rules around E-rate that's both good and bad. It's good that there already are rules, but it's bad that it may be perhaps complying with some of those rules on an emergency basis doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And if so, we should cut all the red tape that we can to ensure that the kids get the, and teachers get the connectivity and the devices as quickly as possible. So one way to do this would be to change the E-rate law. Um, some folks in Washington, D.C. do think, by the way, that if E-rate is gonna be used that the law would have to be changed because E-rate, when it was passed, it refers to classrooms. And of course, now they're, the classrooms themselves on school grounds are closed. And so all of our classrooms are every student's uh, apartment, house, dwelling, wherever they are. But in any event, if this is something that needs to be changed legislatively to, to ensure that E-rate could be used, let's do that. Another way to do this, is through a new FCC program. We're, we're fine with that too, as long as the new FCC program is stood up immediately after the law is passed. And as long as the new program eliminates any red tape and the money flows again to schools as quickly as possible. And by the way, Sean, I, I, I kind of short circuited some of the history, but in the, in the 2009, 2010, 2011 timeframe, the FCC did a pilot program using E-rate to fund the, the, this exact same purpose. And each of the, they funded $10 million to a total of 20 different schools. And each school knows best, should they use a tablet? Do they wanna use MiFi hotspots? Do they wanna use uh, laptops? There's no need for the federal government to dictate that. But in this pilot program, 20 school districts with low-income students used a total of $10 million for off-campus connectivity and for devices, and the results were spectacular. And so we know that this will work. And when I say spectacular, test scores were improved, educational engagement was improved, the teachers found that students were far more engaged with their schoolwork. Um, there, there's no question that providing devices and connectivity to students who wouldn't otherwise have them is, you know, creates educational success. We know that. So back to my three ways to do this. The third way that we could do this is a new federal program, perhaps that doesn't even involve the FCC. Um, now in the legislation that the president that passed the house and the Senate last week, and that was signed into law a week ago today, there was a $13 billion emergency uh, education, K through 12 education fund. And within that fund, there's a $12 billion grant program. Schools through their 
uh, can apply for, for grants to get some of that money for about, and the statute lists 12 different purposes. And you can imagine the emergency needs of schools during this pandemic are just off the charts and are so far ranging. But one of the purposes that they could seek grants for, and again, this is through the US Department of Education, is to purchase educational technology, hardware, software, and connectivity. Um, it's unclear to anyone, of course, right now, how many, what the priorities of each school are, uh, how much, if any, of, the, of that pot of money would be made available actually for connectivity and devices for kids and teachers. But again, um, we are indifferent to which, which of these vehicles is used, but we're, we're emphatic about is that kids who don't have connectivity need the connectivity immediately. Kids who don't have a connected device need the device immediately. And I, I would just add that, you know, it's a problem that spans across the nation and across all populations, whether it's urban populations or rural populations, um, you know, primarily it impacts, you know, maybe low income um, people of color, but um, it is a nationwide problem. And, you know, we are seeing interest in Congress and yet yesterday, um, a letter that was led by Senator Markey signed by 35 senators was sent to um, congressional leadership about the need to address this problem that ca called for at least $2 billion um, to address it. You know, I wanted to, to call attention to some of the phrasing that you have both used and to give a little color here. A number of my coworkers are homeschooling for the foreseeable future, given all of the closures. And uh, we've discussed this internally, and they've taken me through some of the materials that are provided from school, some of the expectations that are shifted over to parents. And it is an emergency. You called it an emergency, and, and that's, that's correct, because there are some people that are at risk of absolutely losing months of education at a formative time in their matriculation. And when you see something like that at scale, among particular cohorts, this has very real consequences for decades. I totally agree with that, Sean. And, but, and doing nothing is not an option at all here. It's going to have, doing nothing is going to have dramatically negative impacts on kids for the rest of their lives. I mean, just imagine if when each of the three of us were in school, if school had just shut down from March to June, and we just said, no, sorry, there's no more learning that's going to take place, and we're, we're just done. I mean, what happens in September? Do we start over? Do we start over as in where we were in March? Do we tell every kid that you're left, you know, what we used to call getting left back? In other words, if you're a kid in the third grade, do you just stay in the third grade? Or do we automatically promote all the kids? Or, you know, yeah. It's just an unimaginable problem. And, and by the way, you know, Zoom is getting tremendous publicity. Qualcomm Ventures was actually an early per, uh, investor in Zoom, and we think Zoom is a fantastic company, and we think the Zoom tool is tremendous. However, can you imagine you know, a third grade teacher trying to c conduct a class with 29 students via Zoom is you know, an unbelievable challenge. 
And it's unthinkable that the teacher is going to do that if not all the kids have connectivity and a device. What are we going to do? Just we just leave out certain kids or in a school district, you know, uh, in the town that I grew up in in New Jersey, they have 3,800 kids. So what what are we going to do? We say, okay, uh, 2,500 of you, you have connectivity, you have a device. We're going to teach you and the other, you know, the other 1,300, you know, we're really sorry, too bad. And this problem, it cuts across the entire educational spectrum. I don't care whether it's a kid who's in the gifted and talented program or it's a kid who's in a Title I school. It, it, this problem is just a comprehensive, gigantic emergency problem, and it requires an emergency solution. And, you know, there are a lot of charitable efforts going on in, in pockets around the country. I think that's great. But I think for Qualcomm, this is way beyond charity. It needs a it needs federal emergency action. We've talked uh, specifically today about education, Alice. You uh, referred to this in in your comment, but you know the problem around broadband access and and social equity it goes well beyond education. So I was hoping maybe you could contextualize for me the big picture here in terms of how broadband access facilitates broader access to social infrastructure like banking, public services, jobs, education, and so forth? Yeah, well, um, it's absolutely critical. Um, it's increasingly the way in which the economy is, is moving. I think we're all seeing that. Um, you know, you mentioned banking. I mean, in the economy, we're increasingly <clears throat> seeing a move towards, you know, more of a cashless economy. Um, so um, people with connectivity and people without connectivity is going to become, you know, in, an increasingly dramatic divide. And that's why it gets to the point that Dean was making about um, this being an emergency situation with respect to the schools. And I mean, I would just add to that, I mean, there's, there's school districts around the country, and in fact, I even live in one in Arlington County, where there has been an effort over time to ensure that all, you know, students starting in middle school have laptops. But even in Arlington, with that initiative, there hasn't been a, a concerted effort to ensure that every student has connectivity. Um, therefore, in this current climate, it's been difficult, even in Arlington, um, to really incorporate online learning during this period because there isn't uh, an absolute guarantee that every household has connectivity, even if the student, even if they know the student will have a laptop. And Dean okay. might have more to add to your very important question also. Yeah, thanks. What I'd like to add, Sean, is just one very specific example. You know, we got the jobs report yesterday, 6.6 .6 million more people have lost their job. And we know that's just the tip of the iceberg. So how do you file a claim for unemployment in 2020? You do that online. What do you do if you don't have connectivity? I mean, if libraries were open, a lot of people go to libraries who don't have a computer or don't have connectivity, of course with social distancing and with this global pandemic, we don't want people going to libraries. So how in the world are people gonna file unemployment claims and get the 
the unemployment insurance that we know is so desperately needed if they can't get online. That's just one specific example, but you know, communicating with your doctor, everyone, the, all the advice is saying use telehealth, contact your doctor before you go to you know, an urgent care facility or to a hospital. What's the most efficient way to do that? It would be through, uh, through broadband, right? It would, you know, it would be through Zoom or Skype or something like that. Your doc, you want to see your doctor and your doctor wants to see you. So fortunately, Congress did address this in part in the legislation that passed last week, and they created a $200 million program to be run by the FCC for funding for telehealth. And by the way, that program, which the FCC this morning um, announced they are moving forward with on an emergency basis, and they deserve a huge amount of credit for that and for all kinds of other things that the FCC has been doing throughout COVID-19. But the telehealth program includes connectivity and includes devices. We, we can't have a telehealth program that doesn't include connectivity or devices. I think that's widely understood. Equally, we can't have an education program if we're not funding connectivity and devices. Equally, we're not going to be able to get the aid that both businesses and individuals are now entitled to under the law that passed unless they have connectivity and devices. So, you know, I, I personally very much appreciate the advocacy work that, that you both do. I, I know my colleagues do, and I'm sure our community does. Is there anything that we can do? Is this one of those occasions where it's appropriate to reach out to your senator, reach out to your representative? Absolutely. Please yeah. do. They, they need to, and of course, to do that, the best way to do that is through, uh, is through email or through Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. So you need connectivity and a device to be able to do that. But for the, you know, for the millions of people, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people in the United States who have it, yeah, please do ensure that your policymakers know that providing connectivity and devices for kids when schools are closed throughout the country is an emergency and needs to be a priority. Well, Dean, Alice, I really appreciate you all taking the time to speak with me about this uh, emergency situation as it unfolds. And I sincerely hope that we're able to achieve a, a positive outcome for uh, everyone involved. Will 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kinney. Thanks for listening.